You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. We're happy to be with you here today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in the Wondry Studios in West Hollywood. I'm a writer and producer. I live in Pasadena, California. I'm married, have a couple of kids and a dog. Ah, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I am an on-again, off-again corporate executive. I have a little dog named Hooper, and I live in Santa Monica, California. Hey, and I'm Julie Dolan. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I'm so curious what the Wondry studio really looks like. I've never (laughs) seen it. What does your studio look like? All these. My studio is a closet, okay, here in Dallas. But, you know, I didn't always live in Dallas. I've lived and worked all over the world or in at least some unusual places. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban nana with five grandchildren. No dogs at the moment, but one never knows. Mm -hmm. And just happy to be here with you. All right. It's election day. It's happening. But uh, if you found us today, maybe you need some respite yes. from the election tension. Um, so we do have an excellent show planned. I mean, we feel like it's an excellent show. First of all, as we left the air last week, we got breaking news on our phones. Julie broke in after we said goodbye with oh, Whitey Bulger is dead. Yeah. So, Liz, you're going to explain the family connection right. and why people on the Facebook group immediately thought of us yes. when the biggest gangsta in Boston <laughs> died. <laughs> I mean, it's because some of you know our connection to Whitey yeah. Bulger, but many of you are surprised that we have such a close connection to a um, the Irish Mafia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Julie, you're going to tell us how to get into Harvard. Maybe yep, 30, it's, 30 it's, years uh, too Harvard late. Harvard but... had to spill the beans at this court, at this trial, Lee, and so I've got the scoop. So I want you to get your pen and paper out. I think there's a chance you could get in now, Leon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Still hurts. For any of us. It's a wound that still hurts. Um, you know what, Liz? I have an excellent panda story. and We need a panda story today. We do. We yes. do. This is going to make you feel good. Uh, just about life in general. Also, life is a panda? <laughs> well, so. Uh, well, the the lengths to which people love pandas. That's okay. what I would say. Uh, also, we have a couple of special episodes coming up, so we're going to tell you about those. We have our Poldark recap. We have some great entertaining sisters recommendations and a special birthday that we would like to acknowledge. But first, Liz, Election Day. Yeah. How are yeah. you feeling? How so you- it is Election Day, and, you know, like many others, there was some tossing and turning last night. But here's what I want to say. I opened up the Satellite Sisters Facebook group this morning, and when I saw how many of you are poll workers today, I was so proud of us as Mm -hmm. a Satellite Sister and Mr. Community. So Liz, Janice, Mary, Greta, Joan, Beth, Evit, Tannis, you're just some of the Satellite Sisters who posted that they are uh, poll workers today. Plus, Amy said her 75-year-old mother is a poll worker, and Kathy said... (laughs) Oh, she's not at my poll. (laughs) And Kathy said her 17-year-old... That sounds kind of ageist. (laughs) It is. I'm sorry. We had some very slow poll workers in 2016. Like, there was only one of me there, and it took 
Quite a while. So Okay. Well, to be totally ageist about it, then maybe you'll get Kathy's 17-year-old daughter. Awesome. Because she's a poll worker today because <laughs> she was, you know, annoyed she can't vote yet. So so good for you. Thank you for doing that. I am going to vote as soon as we're done here today. And, you know, in California, we have a gubernatorial race, senatorial race. Obviously, we have congressional representatives. But, you know, the tough categories are often like the judges and other officials that you don't know that much about. Yeah. So I was Mm -hmm. very happy the other day, Saturday, in my Saturday morning body sculpting class that I've been going to for several years. At the end of class, Julie, the woman who I've been next to every Saturday for, you know, like two years said, don't forget to vote for me on Tuesday. (laughs) And so I was like, who are you? What are you running for? She said, I'm I'm a judge. My name is Helen. I'm on the ballot. (laughs) I would be grateful for your vote. I'm like, this is some excellent canvassing right here. We hadn't even gotten off up off our mats yet. So that, that is least... grassroots campaigning, Liz. <laughs> she knows she knows her uh, constituency. <laughs> it's the body sculpting group. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But it is true that those vo- judges and things. Yeah. it's hard. To, and we have some very tough ballot measures here in California. Yes, this time mm-hmm. too. So it actually takes some work. Yeah, that so, are okay. always very you know tr- the the wording on it is tricky. Right. So yes. Sometimes when you're voting against something, it's because you're voting for something. Yes. You know? Exactly. Yes. Julie. A yes mm-hmm. is a no. Okay, I'd like to apologize to Kathy's mother. I'm sure she's an excellent poll worker. <laughs> yeah, Amy's mother. Amy's mother. Amy's mother. mother. <laughs> she's probably been doing it for 50 years. Lynn. I know. I'm okay. sorry. She's probably the best poll worker ever. Lynn. I know. She's probably received she's a, a number of awards. I know. Her. I'm sorry. I had one bad experience at our polls with some donut eating poll workers. I shouldn't take it out on all poll workers. <laughs> and I'd like to apologize. I also just want to acknowledge that one of our own satellite sisters is running yes. for state senate in New York. Kathleen Cleary, she said she was inspired by the Stay Noisy hashtag by your story, Liz. She is out there running for state Senate on Long Island. So good luck to Kathleen. I yes. mean, that's pretty great. There are that a lot of great. women running all across the country, and that's yeah, that great. Is good. That's, that's right. Yeah. No matter what happens, that will make this year's election historic. So yeah. we're all for that. Stay noisy, uh, sisters. Okay. Um, yeah. As Julie mentioned, Literally the moment we finished last week's show, our phones started to light up with news alerts, the breaking news of the death of notorious gangster, murderer, FBI informant, Whitey Bulger. Some of you even posted this news for us in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group before we got out of the studio, which prompted others of you to wonder why this was such a hot topic (laughs) So let's just we'll start by explaining some of the backstory. And then this murder was really pretty. um, I'm just going to call it cinematic because I feel like it was Scorsese meets Sophocles, the way the way Whitey Bulger actually found his end. But here's the deal. We grew up in New England and our father, Massachusetts born, uh, every year would go to a Jesuit retreat around Easter, right? Wasn't it always Palm Sunday? He would go away that weekend with the Jesuit and a bunch of his fellow, you know. Yeah, it was Father Pierce. Yeah, yeah. he was who married me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, and he baptized all of us. Yes. Yeah, he was yes. sort of the family mm-hmm. family priest. Uh, yep. We had a family Jesuit and uh, part, of, part of this group, uh, Whitey Bulger was the famous notorious gangster, but his brother, Billy Bulger, 
was the head of the Massachusetts State Senate and ultimately the head of the University of Massachusetts. And so Whitey by then, I think, was already on the lam from the FBI or anyway. It was just this classic bad brother, good brother story that every time our father came home from this Palm Sunday retreat where they were allegedly, you know, thinking deep thoughts, they were actually gossiping about Whitey Bulger. (laughs) And he would come home with these Whitey Bulger stories. So Whitey was kind of a big presence in our home growing up. Also, he was much in the news because, you know, remember when they finally got him, he was accused of murdering 19 people and they found him guilty of 11 people. So this was a terrible, terrible person. Uh, anyway. Yeah, he's a terrible person. Yes. So so Whitey Bulger was very alive in all of our imaginations for many years when we were kids. And then when the FBI actually found him, it turns out by then our parents had moved to Santa Monica, California. They lived about 10 blocks from me. But turns out they lived one block from where Whitey Bulger had been holed up all these years. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy. So when, when the FBI, that was the biggest day ever in Santa Monica, when the FBI rolled in, when they finally found Whitey Bulger, who had been like on the lam for 17 years, and he was one block from mom and dad. We had so much fun talking about this because, of course, our parents, but particularly our father, was probably the only guy in Santa Monica who would have recognized Whitey Bulger on the street. And right. so we could just feel that, like, $5 million reward it was slipping through reward. our hearts. <laughs> but at the time, our father was suffering his sort of late-stage Alzheimer's. So even if he had told us that he saw, had seen Whitey Bulger on the street— I don't think we would have believed that, right? We would have never believed that. Really, then we would feel bad because then we would have blown him (laughs) off and he would have been right. And but like there's a whole episode where we tell this story. You can just search on Whitey Bulger at our website. But like we spent months after that, like with our parents, just as we were walking around Santa Monica thinking, do you think Whitey shopped at Pavilions? (laughs) Do you think Whitey came to this Italian restaurant? Like, we had so many opportunities to see Whitey and his girlfriend, who allegedly got a lot of beauty services right in our neighborhood. So mom would be sitting in the chair getting her hair cut, and she's like, do you think Whitey's wife was ever (laughs) in here? You know, I will never forget that morning when I turned on the local news, and they had the cameras, the helicopters flying over Santa Monica. It was like 7 a.m. when it all went down, and they got him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is mom and dad's apartment building yes. in the back shot there. Yes. And I called mom. I was like, that is Whitey Bulger. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, when well, I mean, we walked over there that day. There was a lot of standing around yeah. in front of the Princess Eugenia was the name of the building. A lot of standing around for the next several weeks where mom and dad and I and others who were visiting, we would just walk over there and look at it like, Huh, we can't believe Whitey was there all these years. So it became part of the tour that when you'd go visit mom and dad in Santa Monica, dad would take you on the Whitey Bulger tour, you know? You know, and thinking, he could remember that. I mean, yes, he really true. couldn't rem- remember too much at that like point. Who you were. That, he had no idea who you were. Yeah. That he had, he had total recall. Uh, you know, I think back and I really think the discovery of Whitey was one of the more entertaining things that happened in the last couple of years of our parents' life. Yeah. You know, things were getting hard, really hard. Because yes. our father yes. was really sick and life was getting very narrow for them. And then they found Whitey Bulger. <laughs> or they almost did. So it was great. <laughs> anyway, so that's why we care about Whitey Bulger. But, you know, if you saw the news last week, 
uh, you'll see that he had just been transferred from one prison to another. Mm-hmm. And he was wheel like he had been there less than 24 hours. He right. was wheelchair bound. Four inmates, they have this all on camera. Four inmates entered his cell, wheeled him away. He's 89 years old, wheeled him away so that none of this was on camera. And then they say they, sorry, this is going to get a little graphic. I'll just touch on it briefly. They viciously beat him unconscious with a lock in a sock, which apparently is a common way people murder each other in prison. I had not heard that. Uh, And then they attempted to gouge his eyes out with a razor. So this is like, you cannot make this up. And uh, so the guy that they think did it, this guy, Freddie Gaius, he (laughs) was, they describe him as a former Massachusetts-based aspiring mafia hitman, which is just such an interesting aspiration. Uh, And, but apparently he hadn't gotten to that level yet, but he was in prison and already serving a life sentence. So they figure... Mm -hmm. It's this guy that it was clearly a mob hit. They asked him to do it. And uh, and so he wanted to up his ranking, you know, even though he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life, better to be known as a mafia killer than not, apparently. But also he had a deep hatred of cooperating witnesses, um, you know, what the mob calls rats. And uh, this was a big part of what made the Whitey story so fascinating is not only was he, you know, the Irish mafia's most notorious gangster, that whole time he had been an FBI informant. Right. And there was this right. whole, the Boston Globe uncovered all of this corruption inside the Boston office of the FBI. Right. Where they protected Whitey for all these years and allowed him to just continue on his reign of terror. So this, like, you literally can't make this up. This is such a fascinating story. So there you go. It's, he, he certainly went out the way he has taken other people out in his life. But mainly... Yeah, it was interesting was the statements from some of the victims. Like one victim said he hoped the death was slow and painful. You know, the victim's family. Another a victim's family said he, the one less scumbag on earth. Yeah. Or a third had said, oh, this is a fantastic Halloween present. Wow. So there was no... Yeah, so, no yes. love loss. Yeah, yeah. no... There is some deep restorative justice. They hadn't done a lot of restorative justice work on Whitey Bulger. Yeah, he was a terrible man. He was was a a terrible man. But mainly, we will admit, we get a chuckle every time we think of his his capture. And then they found like millions of dollars in cash in the walls of his apartment. Again, one block from mom and dad's. He had been a lottery winner. He oh, that's right. Big... He fixed the lottery. Yeah, right. And that's he. Yeah. That's yeah. how he had the money to stay on the lamb. Was this lottery? It's an insane story. It is. And Martin Martin Scorsese sort of based the movie The Departed on Whitey Bulger, yeah. but there have been more um, the Black stories Mass about it. Was yes. another movie based on Whitey Bulger too. Yeah. yeah. But someday yeah. we're doing our version of the story. <laughs> you you heard it's it going to be a lovable buddy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Jim Dolan <laughs> and on the lamb, Whitey Bulger. And I, I said to you yesterday, sisters, that if mom and dad were still alive, this the, the, the death of Whitey Bulger would have sustained them for the entire winter season. They would just have like retold this story a hundred times, too. So, okay. so okay. thank you, Whitey Bulger. Lighthearted. Thank you. It's a lighthearted look at a horrible man's horrible life. Yes. <laughs> Julie, can we talk about the can Lego we, can incident we just, now? 
Yeah. Can we talk about yes, the Lego? Yes, we do incident? need to. We do have a follow-up as well because I had posted uh, on our Facebook group that during my Urban Nana stint where I was taking care of the, my three grandchildren and their dog, Lily, that live here in Dallas, uh, that there was a small incident with a Lego. Uh, and I just... You know, and I just want to give the details. Um, this was at the end of what I would say was a black diamond assignment. I was alone, three kids. One day I had four different after-school activities, including swimming, which you know requires mm. a change of clothes, showering. It was a lot. But I was in the, I was in the, uh, like I was at the last stretch of it. I was, they was making dinner. Their parents were on the way home. Things were going well. Everything was calm and orderly. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Ben, the middle uh, child came out screaming, saying, Peter has swallowed a Lego. <laughs> and I hear Peter screaming. And so I rush in and, you know, this is a real moment of panic because I don't know whether he's got the Lego lodged in his throat. I don't know where it is. And Peter is crying so hard. He can't tell me. And Ben, and I keep saying, Ben, was it a big piece? What is a little piece? And Ben is just, you know, holding up pieces. He's in a panic about it. Alice comes rushing into the room. She's 11 and she's like, don't worry, Nana. And she grabs her little laptop and she starts tapping on her laptop. <laughs> and she types in what to do when a kid swallows a Lego. She Googles this in real time. I love time. kids. I love I am them. Talking, I'm talking to Peter. I'm trying to like, Peter, did it go in your tummy or is it in your throat? Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm ha performing an emergency tracheotomy to clear his, you know, airway. Um, and Alice has, she has like come up with information <laughs> about, you know, the size of the Lego, when it's acceptable, when it's not acceptable, when you have to go. So it was quite a bit, quite a bit uh, of um, commotion there. But I'm happy to say that uh, it was a very small Lego. It, it was, it, it did go into Peter's stomach. His airway was not blocked. Uh, Alice was helpful as well, because once she realized, you know, once she got me the information that if the Lego was smaller than 15 millimeters or something <laughs> like that, it would be fine. She also then found an amusing uh, video on YouTube to, uh, to let Peter watch, which helped him calm down. So there she There's was. There's a video of everything. With a laptop, just performing <laughs> medical emergencies. So going and Googling it is not something you would have done. That would I mean, would not you have, have been... ever have thought that in the moment? I thought, I really, I thought like I'm going to have to get a knife and like, like open up this kid's airway. I was, I was, I was worried he couldn't breathe or it yeah. was stuck stuck yeah. there but it Those was are all good concerns i yes. think yeah yeah could he talk? no i was yeah, yeah. thank you leon i know i was do i was doing solid work i did have to report it to their parents about the lego incident which i hope that's not a black mark on my record that's that's uh what i'm worried about but did you have to report to it because you knew that they would mention it right yes oh yeah, yeah because the kids were going to talk about it so yes liz uh they <laughs> that's you know, it's only when they're really, really little, Liz, that you can get away with things. Okay, <laughs> so, as soon as they can talk, you're in trouble. You're okay. really, okay. you're in trouble. Okay, good, just good keep lesson. that in mind in terms of any babysitting assignments that you might have. But the parents seem to take it in stride. Peter has taken it in stride, and all is well. So I appreciate people's concerns. I, I'm sorry we left you hanging there, uh, uh, wondering about what happened. Uh, but you know. Never in my wildest dreams would I have like thought to Google, you know, what to do. <laughs>
What it's to all do? there. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you know, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice to have something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz, you know, we love talking about FrameBridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting FrameBridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame-bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and FrameBridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but FrameBridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds like- you are like... going to be happy, okay? Yeah. And that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge.
It's all, there's a YouTube video for everything. Everything. Honestly. That's what you learn from millennials in your life. And now these, <laughs> these, uh, these other generation, what's the next generation called? I don't know. Gen Z? No. Z. Yeah. yeah. Gen Zers. Yeah. That's, oh. I think that's what Alice is, a Gen Z. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we have a couple of, we have the big panda story. <laughs> and then we have Harvard admission. But first, we'd like to thank a couple of sponsors here on Satellite Sisters. Liz. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, we are back, and I re- wa- and I want to remind everyone what we announced, that we have a special bonus episode coming this month. On November 16th, which is a Friday, so not our usual Tuesday, you will get in your feed a special brand new Satellite Sisters Family Dynamics Holiday Special. And we are interviewing Alan Alda on this special because we decided we needed a communications coach. We need to to all be ready to go home for the holidays and be our best selves, right, sisters, to like not get into fights with people, to try to go with the right spirit. So so that'll drop on November 16th. So make sure you're subscribed to Satellite Sisters so you automatically get that in your feed and don't forget about it. But I noticed on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group that Chris – after we announced this last week, sort of posted a question like, hmm, you know, on the one hand, we say stay noisy. And on the other hand, last week, we were talking about when to zip it. And so Chris posed the question like, when do I do? Do I do both at the same time? How do you live in both of those worlds? So I was just wondering if you guys had a thought about when you stay noisy and when you zip it. So Julie? Well, you know, for me, zip it isn't repress it. I mean, zip it to me means stop talking and start listening. Oh, And I think that is really important. And I think when I think about the, you know, the times within my, my family, when I really zipped it and just listened to, you know, my sons, you know, I've actually learned something when I wasn't talking (laughs) when I was really listening. So that is a revelation. I think that that's, I guess when I, that's what, when I say zip it, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Just stop talking, start listening. And that's very important. And that can run in conjunction with staying noisy. Yeah. Okay. Leon, how about you? Oh, well, I, yeah, I thought of it as repressing, you know, (laughs) I wasn't really keep it to yourself. When Julie mentioned the zip it last week, I'm like, I don't know. I feel less and less the need to zip it and more and more the need to stay noisy. I mean, there are situations where I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. A dinner table, a holiday table. I'm just not going to get into it with people there ever about anything. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, But, you know, in general, I feel like at this point in my life. I don't know. I'm zipping it less and less. <laughs> How about well, you, Liz? I enjoyed what Brenna posted in the Facebook group. She uh, she put up a little sign that said, you don't have to attend every argument you are invited to. Oh, and yes. I'm with you, Brenna, because I, I feel like sometimes you just have to not take the bait. Some yeah. people are really trying to draw you into an argument, not a conversation. So you have to be aware of that. So that's kind of where I draw the line. She also said that sometimes she comments on a family member's Facebook post and then immediately goes back and deletes it. But at least she gets it out there. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so November 16th, we'll have like the the master, Alan Alda. Maybe he'll teach us a few things we can all take home for the holidays.
That's going to be good. Okay, sisters, now you know, uh, I told you earlier this month that there was a big trial going on in Boston. Uh, This is the Students for Fair Admissions are alleging that Harvard University intentionally discriminated against Asian Americans. So they have a big case going on, but the big benefit is all of us who have ever thought about, I wonder how you get into Harvard. I wonder how you really get the edge into Harvard. And Part of the testimony that is coming out is things that, as a former admissions director, I, I have never heard this before. So this is this is news. So, Leanne, Liz, get your pens and papers. Okay. Leanne, if you want to go to Harvard or if you want your kids to transfer, this is how you do it, okay? First of all, number one, forget those computer camps, violin lessons, you know, uh, ballet schools. What you really need to do is pack up and move your child or your applicant to Montana. Oh, yeah. Arizona. Okay. Okay. They have uh, they have uh, that um, applicants from sparsely populated areas. You and you two do not live in a sparsely populated <laughs> no. area. No. But if your daughter was a farm girl, right, or your son was a farm boy from Idaho, they statistically would have a better chance of getting into Harvard than than other people. Than if then from Santa Monica, California. Okay, that's quite a so sacrifice for a family to make. <laughs> but it's but 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 that if you really want to invest in your child's future, mm-hmm. you should move. That okay. is that's a good one. And if you can't move to Idaho or Montana, the next best thing to do, and this is counterintuitive, is to move to New York City or Boston. Because those areas as well uh, admit students at a higher percentage rate than other areas in the country. Oh, okay. Hmm, I wonder okay, why so that just is. That probably that has something okay. to do with alumni, children, Yeah, I'm guessing. Yes, it does. That, that it would alumni, yep. children of faculty. Yes. So that would push the rate up. And you're playing a percentage when you're applying, you know, when they get 42,000 applications for 2,000 spots. You know, that's you have to play the numbers, Leanne. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you I think that both of you would qualify as having an interesting jobs because that's another category where you can boost your chances that if you are the son or a daughter of a parent with an unusual job, so not an accountant or a lawyer, podcaster, kind of unusual, okay? <laughs> or a mechanic, not really a job. Not, a good one. <laughs> not, okay. not, not so much All of right. a job, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that you don't think yeah. that that might weigh heavily, but that's the thing. That's so this as you plot out your child's future, mm-hmm. yeah. to think carefully about your career choices. Can that's I ask all about I that? Maybe, Julie, let me, how do they know what your parents do? I mean, I know they ask that on the application. Oh, they list. do. Oh, I mean, yes. it's a long they, time since what, I applied what, to college. What mm-hmm. Harvard is saying is they consider that as part of your overall thing. Oh, okay. so it counts. Because they think you will, it will bring more diversity to the class. Yeah. Now, Leon, this is this is like earth-shattering news. That if you declare coming into Harvard University that you would like to major in classics, okay, you have a higher admit rate than if you said you wanted to be a major in computer science. Julie, I tried that thirty years ago. <laughs> it did not work for me. But do you think it was so, because you did your application in pencil, sister? I did do it sister? in pencil. I did do it in pencil because it was a very long application and I didn't know how to type because I was so busy taking extra Latin classes mm-hmm. that I didn't take the typing class mom had told us all to take. So yeah. I never learned to type, 
but I was the president of the Latin club. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so you're pushing back on that. I, I'm just pushing back on that because mm-hmm. I think it's one of no, those. No, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying you do. You had, yeah. It's so. one factor, but you didn't put together enough factors. You were a girl from Connecticut. Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. good. Your yeah. father was a businessman. Not good. All working against you. But I do think the next you did have, which they you have to somehow show that you have a joyful love of learning. Oh, oh, for goodness sakes. I don't know how you do that, but uh, that that is something that they're looking for, that you have to indicate that in addition to taking advanced Latin and you were also working on some other learning objectives on your own. So Something more joyful. Uh, what would yeah. that be? Okay, mm-hmm. recommenders. Okay. I know this is true. If you have to tell all the people that you want to recommend, don't just say you're excellent. Liz, I'm sure everybody who recommended you to college said, oh, Liz is an excellent student. Forget it. You're never going to get in with that. Okay. It has, they have to use the adjective superb, over the top, the top half percent. Okay. Excellent will not get it done. Okay. Oh, harsh. <laughs> <laughs> superb. Who uses that? Yeah. You Latin, better Latin use teachers. You better <laughs> use that. Latin teachers who wrote my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got to tell a good story. Okay, Leanne, I know that in pencil, your essay was probably pretty darn good mm-hmm. because you're a good writer uh, now and you're good, and I'm sure you were a good writer then. They're not looking for candidates that are aggressive, unhappy, arrogant, or boring. Okay. Now, yeah, I mean, again, fun. I wore a jumpsuit and my red boots to my interview at Harvard. That I mean, seems I looked joyful cute. to me. I mean, <laughs> I, Leanne, I think you nailed, which is the next point, effervescence. effervescence. They are looking for effervescence. Yeah. Well, okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We know you were that, doomed uh, athletes, geographically. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you were you were good in sports land, but you were not an all-star hockey player. No. If had you been one, eighty-six percent of the recruited athletes are admitted to Harvard. Oh. So that's mm. good. Now, here is another little strategy I just pass along. They said, if when you're doing that alumni interview, in in addition to showing up in the jumpsuit and the red boots, <laughs> mm-hmm. that if you can do it in a coffee shop and just pay your friends to show up to say hi, and that if you select a very diverse group of friends, uh, that would be very good. Because then the alumni interviewer would be able to say that it appears that you are well-liked by a wide variety of kids. And that will. That oh my will God! That takes some stage managing. I see a lot of. Okay. Like, okay. A lot of parents getting involved okay. in making that happen. <laughs> I don't even know what to say well, to that because, like, I, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> I just—that's so stupid. I mean, hopefully you're not a big loser and you are well-liked by a wide variety of kids, but paying people to show up at the coffee shop, is that really uh, the right, best I way to do All right, I exaggerated the okay. paying people to do right. <laughs> But the idea that they are go- trying to evaluate whether you're liked by a wide variety of, of people, mm-hmm. that you are you have to demonstrate that. The burden is on you mm. to show that you're effervescence and that you're not arrogant or boring. And uh, Isn't that what your that Facebook you, you page know, is that, for? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Okay. Any other tips? All right. So, but this is very revealing because they're admitting it and they have never had to admit that these are actually the criteria that they're using for selecting among, you know, outstanding candidates. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, those all sound legit. Those all sound like 
more than just SAT scores. And yes. I think that... Well, that, I mean, what, what right. they're saying, and this is true, and I can tell you from my admissions experience, all... There is so many qualified people based on grades and SAT scores that they have to come up with this wider set of criteria to select because mm-hmm. there's no other means. Mm-hmm. But whether that this other this wider set of criteria is valid or whether it discriminates against certain groups like Asian Americans, that is what the that's the, the crux of the court case. Or the, jumpsuit wearing girls from Connecticut. Yes. Yeah. The less effervescent. (laughs) You have a lot of effervescence. I do. No, that's what I mean. That's where you are over the top and superb. Yes, I'm over the top (laughs) and effervescence. But apparently, I don't know. All right. Well, that's good intel, Julie. That's that's just a lot to think about for kids when they're also thinking about other stuff. And, you know, there are other schools. But as I have proven, as I as I've proven. (laughs) <laughs> there are other schools. Uh, okay, good. That was good intelligence, though. All right, he, here's something that's going to make you feel effervescent, Liz uh, and Julie. You'll be glad to know that China has launched a make-or-break experiment to prevent the extinction of the giant panda. Well, yeah. yay. And that's I assumed that was going on right. already, no? No, in the well, they have done stuff in the last 10 years that have have saved it, like uh-huh. or the last 30 years. They were down to 1000 giant pandas and now they're up to about 2200 pandas with their with their efforts over the last few decades. But now they're going the extra mile and they've set aside two big panda Reserves. Panda reserves. One you've seen on the news all the time, right? All that one where there's all the cute baby pandas. Yes. And it's a huge tourist. And they're always rolling around. And rolling and around. Falling down. Yeah, because they're pandas and people love them. And in the article in the L.A. Times, they actually call them roly-poly celebrities, <laughs> which is a funny term, replete with political and cultural significance and an economic value as a tourism drawing card. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. So there's one panda reserve place that is just really built for news crews and tourists and roly-poly pandas. And then, <laughs> and then there's the real place that they've set aside, which is twice the size of Yellowstone National Park. Okay. And this is the top. Oh, my goodness. That's. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And this is the top secret place where they really want the pandas to mate and they really want them to go right into the wild. So these are not pandas that they're going to breed to give away or things like that. These are pandas that will go into the wild. And the key to this, Liz, is that they never have any human contact. Oh, really? But they do have to have some human contact. So you're wondering, well, how does that happen? Yeah. And this is... Do do the keepers dress up as pandas? Is that what you're about to tell me? This is the part of this, Liz. (laughs) No. No. They dress up as pandas? Yes. They put oh. no, no. It gets better. So just, just, just okay. Wait. We'll let you tell the story. So they dress up in giant panda suits, okay. <laughs> but and this is the extra mile. This is the effervescent part. The panda suits are soaked in panda pee. They are panda <laughs> urine soaked panda suits. So wow. that makes the baby. Pee. Here is the photo. <laughs> I mean, stop it. Just look. at just look at that photo. Oh, my God. Okay. We will post this on the blog and in the show notes. It's like a panda carrying a baby panda, but the panda is upright on two legs, clearly a human. But soaked in panda pee. That's what you didn't know when you saw that. From the photo, you can't tell. You can't tell. And now that you know that, don't you love this person even more? Yes. I mean, doesn't this give you a whole new level of respect? I mean, oh, come panda on. panda people. Thank they- you. They are really doing the job. And that's it because they can't, you know, they have to be, these baby pandas have to think that those are their parents. (laughs) So 
<laughs> so those bandit keepers, I mean, that's the extra mile. Yes. The, they are doing the job there. So hats off, panda panda keepers in Japan or in, in China. You're really doing an amazing job. I mean, <laughs> and at what point in the baby pandas' lives do they realize, well, I, I can't walk on two legs? <laughs> That must be soul crushing if they find out. <laughs> That's their adolescence, their teenage years. We're like, okay. well, they've they been have... lying to me all along. They're not pandas. <laughs> that would make a heck of a Harvard essay, though. <laughs> I found out my panda butt dad is not really a panda. Just think about it. <laughs> okay. There's an animated okay. movie in that, well, Lynn too. and Liz, I have another story from the wild, and I need your opinion on this, because I'm not too sure that I'm going to go along with this trend. Of course, I think we all love farm-to-table, you know, where things are curated and grown and crafted and plucked and, Fresh. you know, it's just, it's all good. So, But move over, because the new trend is jungle-to-table, that that is now what the chef's around the world are trying to go to even greater heights to bring more exotic food, to bring a, a, a better tale of how they brought this food to the table. And so they've started, the New York Times did a big story about how chefs in Bolivia, Bolivia, Bolivia excuse me, are going Where? on night hunts, Bolivia, <laughs> Bolivia into the jungles to to uh, to capture crocodiles or a relative of the croc, uh, the caiman, and then they you know they go out in these little boats at night and they they trap and uh, trap these caiman uh, f- so that they can serve them um, at you know in restaurants in Bolivia and in Peru. What's what a caiman? I mean, a- I don't know. I just the picture. It just looks like a small alligator. First of all, I've had alligator. Yeah, it looks like a small alligator. And I've had alligator. I didn't think it was that good. I mean, it's not worth like someone risking their life going into the jungle. And I feel kind of sorry for the crocs and the caimans. I mean, they're living in a jungle. You know, they're way out. They're not bothering us, right? Right. They're just yeah. doing their own thing. I mean, it's a little different than a farm. And, mm-hmm. you know, yes, it might make for an interesting story. But I, I say leave them alone. That's yeah. That's my opinion. But if you take the locavore thing to, you know... To its limit, of course, we eat the things that are around here, the cows that just pop up all over, cows and chickens and things. But if you're in Bolivia, sort of up in the jungles, this is your local food supply. I'm not for it or against yeah. it. I'm just thinking it through from the the, the farm-to-table perspective. Like, this is yeah. what is in your ecosystem. Yeah, I'm with Julie. <laughs> I'm voting with Julie on this one. <laughs> Julie wins. Okay. Just way to go, Leanne. <laughs> Julie, you win. Because it's election day, you feel like we just get to vote on all yep, these stories? that's it. That's okay. one. Okay, no jungle to table for us. Let's move on. That's it. Let's call it Proposition count 22. On that. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. Thumbs down on Proposition 22. All right, stay with us. We have Entertaining Sisters coming up next. But first, we'd like to thank some sponsors. Thanks to Harry's and Away Luggage today. And we always have all the links in the show notes and on our website to the sponsors of any episode. Okay, Leon, you told me you had a story about Martha Stewart 
attempting something for which I am 100% unqualified. Yes. All right. We're going you know, we're going to your place in Bandor again for Thanksgiving. Yes. You've already shocked and amazed us by sending out a assignment know, list. Assignment list. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know what your turkey situation is in terms of decorative turkeys. What how what, what is do you it mean list? decorative turkeys? Do you have decorative turkeys? No, I do not. Okay. So, do you have pilgrims? I only have the woodland creatures you sent me for Christmas. <laughs> I figured woodland creatures are okay for Thanksgiving, too. They are. They are. But you might want some turkeys. Okay. So where do you go for decorative turkeys, Liz? You go to Martha Stewart, right? I mean, she's our girl. She's got it all. Her website now. She has not forsaken Thanksgiving. It's it's kind of her main main meal. Yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving is all Martha Stewart. It is. I mean, you know, what other people have moved right on to Christmas after Halloween, not Martha. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of turkey information, (laughs) both turkeys you can eat and turkeys you can decorate with. So here's one. Like these look cute, right? You see these little, these placeholder cards? Oh, those are cute. cute. Okay. Now, Liz, you would go to a place and go, I'd like to order those, but not Martha. She wants you to make them. Oh. So I just laughed out loud thinking of you attempting molded decorative turkey place card holders because here's, this is just the list of things you'll need to make them. Okay. I'm guessing you don't have any of these things. Okay. Okay. Try me. I might surprise you. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils, I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer, and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen, <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed, so it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code SADSISTERS. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? 
my hair, Liz, my hair from pros is getting rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. From their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Dry rubber gloves and a dust mask. Nope. Permastone compound. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. Spatula. Okay, I have one. Plastic (laughs) turkey-shaped candle or chocolate mold. Of course not. Wood Wood blocks. Uh, No. Sandpaper, 80 grit, or a sanding sponge. Do you have a sanding sponge, Liz? (laughs) No. Do you have a Dremel drill and a sanding bit? That's optional. I don't know what you just said. (laughs) I don't know what those words were. You need constructive adhesives such as liquid nails. Do you do a lot of liquid nailing? (laughs) Never. How about rubber bands? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Paper towels? Yes. Okay, you're halfway. Not really So something really good I can make out of rubber bands and paper towels. Okay, and then here you go. Mixing buckets, joint (laughs) compound, acrylic paint and a paintbrush that's all you need to make these turkeys (laughs) no one is making these turkeys not one person in america is making Mm -hmm. these turkeys Mm -hmm. but they're so festive looking i bet people will make them maybe the people who like to craft you know i don't know i hope so because they're really cute but i don't think it's liz (laughs) dolan is going to be okay if you make these if you are within the sound of our voices you make these. We want to see them in the Facebook group. Sure, like we, I'll put a, I'll put a link to this Martha yeah. Stewart thing. I dare you to make them. Go for it. I dare. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> I, I dare you. I would say there might be a prize, but no, there's no prize. It's just the prize is that you have decorative turkeys. Yeah. Really, <laughs> the prize is that. And then you have to use them every year because you've gone to all the trouble to make decorative turkeys. All right. Speaking of the holidays, uh, coming up, we do have a couple of episodes. We have the Alan Alda episode. That's a special episode. And then also for Thanksgiving week, we will be uh, posting a holiday food show. Mm. This is going to be wall-to-wall holiday food, holiday entertaining. We're going to bring some of our favorite recipes. We're going to bring... We got plans, right, Julie? You you have some special yeah, magazines no, you've been I looking may, at. I may even disclose mom's super secret potted shrimp recipe. Oh, okay. I, I think wow. it's time. 
Yeah, I was yeah. Gu- yeah, I was gonna do a couple of recipe postings too. So this is what we want you to do, Satellite Sisterhood, in our Facebook group this week. I will be posting uh, a question: What is your favorite holiday food tradition? So that can be Thanksgiving, it could be Hanukkah, it could be Christmas, it can be New Year's, it can be whatever Friendsgiving, whatever you do that's your favorite holiday food tradition. We want to hear about it. We're going to talk about it on our special holiday show that we'll be. Taking. I like food traditions. Yeah, food yeah, tr- yeah. Food. You do something special every year. Yeah. Or your go-to dish, right? Like the thing your family only gets once a year, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fantastic. That's what we're doing. So yeah, we have a lot of holiday stuff coming up. Uh, now, entertaining sisters. All right, Julie. We're just going to do our mini poll dark recap. What What do you think about this episode? Right. Well, I thought it was a very big episode, Leanne. I think things actually happened, but there are three three main themes. People are pregnant. Okay, yeah. so that. That means that there's going to be all kinds of news coming up and complications. Uh, Also, people have moved to London. I think that now we are getting away from they're not just groveling in the dirt (laughs) trying to find one more little potato. Okay. think they're going to be in London. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's things are going to happen there. So I think. And then sadly, Ross Paul Dark is involved in another business venture. This one is a banking venture. And. I just would never go in business with Ross Poldark. Can I say that? I, I agree. <laughs> he I don't is not a good businessman. I, I know he galloped all over the uh, the countryside in this episode, <laughs> raising funds or convincing people. But just don't go into business with Poldark. What did you think? I thought it was the most fun episode of the year. I mean, we've had oh. so much misery and so many dark scenes and flooded minds and dirty peasant faces. <laughs> and it was just, I was so happy to see Caroline and Dr. Ennis back together. I, I, I mean, know. that just made me really happy. And so I could just completely disregard how tedious George is in that whole storyline because of Caroline and Dr. Ennis. They really saved it for me. They they have saved the show and they've saved it for me. And somehow I believe Demelza is getting more beautiful. Is that possible? I don't know. Yes, she, she looked particularly she beautiful. I, I actually want that coat with the pewter buttons oh, that yeah. she has. That <laughs> yeah. was lovely. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, you can find our full recap uh, written up over there on the Facebook group. That's Pull Dark. I want to remind you, too, that we do a Madam Secretary recap podcast. That's the one podcast we're doing this fall. Uh, this week's episode was particularly strong because it involved things we care about, it involved Thailand, where Julie lives. So she felt very strongly mm-hmm. about. What a terrible job the Madam Secretary writers did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Telling that yes. story. It I'm involved still upset about it. College yes. admissions, which you can clear here we know a lot about. And that involved old girlfriends from college showing up. And that was excellent. That was and then my boyfriend Eric Stoltz was in. Yes. So I always like when Eric Stoltz shows up. So that I got to say, you know, I had not seen this Sunday's episode of Madam Secretary, but I listened to your recap yesterday. It's just a laugh out loud situation with the MSEC recap. You don't even have to watch the show. We encourage you to watch the show because we want to keep it on the air. But you guys just do a bang up job on Mondays doing that. So remember, that is a separate feed if you want to. If you want to listen to that, you have to subscribe to Satellite Sisters Talk TV, right? Right. Yes. Thank you, Liz. Satellite Sisters Talk TV, and you can have all the Madam Secretary recaps are over there. And our previous recaps from Poldark, we just we got too busy this fall to do yet another recap. But uh, thank you, Liz. We have fun doing it. Yes. Okay. I have another uh, recommendation for you that you can find on Netflix. This is a new six-episode series called Bodyguard. 
Now, I know everyone might be a little tense or taut uh, with during this election season. And so you may, this may be counterintuitive, but if you are interested in seeing a very tense, taut drama, I highly recommend this. It's called Bodyguard. It's from the UK. It stars Richard Madden. Um, they could use subtitles because he has a very heavy Scottish accent. So you've either got to sit very close to your device to hear it or just just turn up the sound really loud or re or sometimes you have to just replay segments but that's the good thing about netflix liz i know you've watched it did you enjoy it i really enjoyed this i spaced the out because it's six episodes i like these series like boom you can get them done pretty quickly it's not a yeah, lifetime it's, it's commitment. not a major commitment exactly so yeah. i did Two, two, and two. Spread it out across three nights. It reminds me a lot of Homeland, a show that I love. And you know how lighthearted Homeland is. So if if yes. you take Homeland and then kick it up a notch, tension-wise, uh, that's what you get. And this guy, David Budd, right. or no, he plays, the character's name is David Budd, but the actor, Richard Madden, apparently he was yes. Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I had never right. seen him before. But he just is... He can stare right through you, this guy. And because he's yeah, the he's bodyguard, the very... staring So it's is a very really good story. It's got a good plot. We're not going to tell you. We're not going to give away anything. We're just going to recommend that you uh, that you watch Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you need a little more tension in your life. <laughs> tense. It's tense. Or just someone else's country being tense. How about that? <laughs> like, if you're sick of American tension, this is British tension. <laughs> okay. We also want to say happy birthday to Joni Mitchell. Oh, Joni. Joni Mitchell is 75 years old tomorrow. Wednesday. Oh, I know. Wow. So, uh, you know, if you are not familiar with Joni Mitchell, it means that you're young. God bless you. And um, (laughs) and we respect that. We do. We wish we were young. (laughs) But I just want to encourage you to, like, put spot, you know, Joni Mitchell in your Spotify or whatever streaming service you use to listen to music and just take a listen to Joni Mitchell because her songwriting is unparalleled. Her voice is unparalleled. When I think of growing up in the Dolan household, I think of Joni Mitchell because my sisters had her albums on nonstop repeat, just that is right. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So even though I was a little young, uh, I heard a lot of Joni Mitchell growing up. I don't think you all would have made it out of your adolescence without Joni Mitchell. It's is true. that fair to say? I think that's fair. And mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, we're not the only ones. They're throwing a big birthday party for her here in Los Angeles, and people are coming. All Everybody from Chris Christopherson to Shaka Khan to James Taylor is coming to do a giant concert, which we could not get tickets to. <laughs> uh, so we won't be going. But just a reminder, you know, she was the favorite songwriter of Prince for instance. She like, was? She is the songwriter, songwriter. Yeah, that's yes. for sure. And that's, so, you know, she, Graham Nash said in one quote I just read, the first time I met Joni, she played me 15 of the most beautiful songs I'd ever heard. I had no idea somebody could write so profoundly about life. Joni Mitchell raised a new bar that songwriters had to try and climb over or risk fading away. Wow. I mean, her yep. stuff is that just was... extraordinary. So, uh, and it just go, takes you places you yeah. don't want to know. So, if you've never listened to her before, I encourage you to give her a try. Joni Mitchell, it's the perfect Sunday morning music. It's the mm. perfect Sunday morning music. Mm-hmm. Or, oh. 
Yeah, just or any time. Any time. I might listen really. to her this afternoon. That would be good. Blues. I often, yeah. yeah, when I'm feeling feeling bluesy, I often listen to uh, some Joni Mitchell. Still, that's the gift my sisters have given me. So, and if you don't know much about Joni Mitchell and you want to know more. We did a fantastic interview a few years ago with the woman who wrote the book, Girls Like Us, which was essentially a biography of Joni Mitchell, Karen King, uh, Carol King, and Carly Simon. Carol King and Carly Simon. Girls Like Us. And she basically talks about their songwriting, their lives. And those were three incredibly important young women in our lives when we were growing up. So if you go into our archive and just type in the word, the word Girls Like Us, you can listen to that whole interview, which is really, really entertaining. Yeah. She had quite a life, too. Just yes. to say that. She it had was many, messy, messy. Many boyfriends. Many excellent <laughs> Some of the best boyfriends ever. Ever. Yes. Yeah. She had a lot of, yeah, a lot of boyfriends that we we wanted to have as boyfriends. <laughs> James Taylor. Lot, lot there. And one time, Sheila unbelievably ran into her in Santa Monica Nail Spa Lane. Yes. Like, nail place. And Sheila, just, I recall, she just said she just started crying. Like, she couldn't. Right. She couldn't well, even was, speak. it was her idol. Yeah. She loved Joni yes. Mitchell. Yes. So, happy 75th birthday, Joni yes. Mitchell. Yes, happy birthday, Joni. Yep. Okay, I wanted one reminder that we have all kinds of new things in the store. And Julie, you're not going to believe it. I ordered a bunch of things, samples of stuff, and brought them to the studio to show Leon today. Uh-huh. There's some hot items there. And it might be the first and only time you're ever going to see me in an apron. I bought <laughs> a Satellite Sisters apron because I thought, now that's a really nice hostess gift if you're going anywhere for Thanksgiving. So we're going to do some photos here after we finish recording. I have I have the apron, I got a good coffee cup, and the all-important logos on the front and the back of a t-shirt. Yeah. So yes. I tried out a yes. bunch of new products. You'll start to see those in photos in our Instagram feed, in our Twitter feed, and and at SatelliteSisters.com. But thanks also. I posted the super cute photos your husband did of your grandchildren in the Nana Camp stuff. Yes. That, they, yeah. they were adorable. Yeah. I mean, very high. I, I, thumbs up on the sweatshirts. The kids love the sweatshirts. Very soft, good quality, uh, really comfortable. Uh, they like they loved them. So it's easy to find. There will be a link in the show notes. But if you're on the website, if you're at SatelliteSisters.com, you'll see the adorable photo that our staff photographer Brooks Tridler took of the three of us in our Stay Noisy uh, t-shirts. And if you just click on the link there, it will take you directly to the store. So remember, you know, a nice hostess gift for, you know, wherever you're going for Thanksgiving. We recommend that. Liz, good one. Yeah. I'm going to bring you one and bend. No, I'm going to bring you one of these turkeys, Liz. All right. We would like to thank uh, Sergio Enriquez, who engineers our show and edits it. Thank you so much, Sergio. We'd also like to thank our sponsors for this week's show. We'd like there's a many thanks to everyone in the Satellite Sisterhood that supports our sponsors. All right. Uh, to-do lists. Whew. What do you got, Lizzie? Okay. So I'm going to be uh, voting after I leave here. Yeah. And then I have to make a commitment to my election night snacking strategy, Leanne. And <laughs> this is really a hard one because you know whatever you buy, you're going to eat all of it, right? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to be 
stress eating all night, right. no matter where you are on the on the political spectrum. So I've had to rule out things that are bad in bulk, like guacamole. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to go, I'm going to try to limit my, like, salsa basket queso, have some of that, but not too much. Ooh. I'm leaning towards the hummus category, mm. thinking at mm. least that's the healthier choice. And then the all-important beverage decision, I've been laying off any wine at home, as part of my Operation Sea Turtle training for the major athletic event Julie and I are doing early in the new year. But I'm thinking maybe tonight I can violate my own rule. Violate the rule. And I might need, need a little bottle of a little Sauvignon Blanc to, <laughs> to wash all that hummus down. So that's what I'm doing Ooh. after I leave here. All right, Julie, how about you? What's on your to-do hey, list? Hey, mine is a mind game. I'm just practicing acceptance because that's, you know, I took my power. I went into the voting booth. I voted, okay? And... I'm just going to practice acceptance, you know, that we're all going to move forward. That's what I think. And I, I'm working on my attitude, Leon. That's what I got going. <laughs> okay. How about that? <laughs> and Leon, how about you? Well, my to-do list is checked. You know, I was nagging the vote. And yeah. I have both millennials have voted, the sons. I also got their girlfriends to vote. So That's I, good. <laughs> via text. I feel like I did I did my part. I yeah. got four millennials to the poll. I'm done. So all I have to do is get uh, get myself to the polls after we vote. And then, yeah. Then I'm going into yeah, I'm going into some deep hibernation. <laughs> Be exciting, exciting night or not? We'll see. Uh, all right, everybody, have a great week. You too, Leah. Too. Yeah, take a chill pill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Usually accept. Accept. Yeah. Accept. Well, slash resist. <laughs> you know. Slash stay noisy. Slash zip it. Yeah. And uh, whatever is appropriate for you. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs> <laughs>